Uh, we've been privileged to have Chris and Sandra Logan with us here at The Rock for about a year now, maybe a bit more. And uh, Chris has this incredible prophetic teaching gift on his life. And uh, he's got a powerful word. I was asking him during the week what he felt God was speaking to him about. And I know he's been sort of chewing this over about three weeks. And so um, thanks, mate. Thanks for stepping up. Thank you. Deal for us. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I am really excited about what I'm seeing here at The Rock. And, uh, you know... If uh, Takbana came last week, he said, you know, that it wasn't the same as last year. And it's just so evident. When we came, first came here, we felt called of God to come here because God was bringing in and issuing in new things into this place. And it was so powerful and so important. And yet when we came, we felt this terrible resistance in the atmosphere. We felt, you know, there was people struggling with change and all sorts of things going on. And yet... Twelve months down the track or more. What am I seeing? It's amazing. I'm seeing people beginning to open up. I'm seeing people discovering that there's things in the Word they've never seen before. I'm seeing people actually encountering God. And it's just so amazing seeing the transformation taking place. And it's not just because of the leadership. It's not just the men. It's people everywhere. And it's just so amazing because it's great to be part of. Because that's what God is doing. It's not a matter of just coming to church and going home every Sunday. We are the church and God wants to build something fresh in our hearts and lives. Man, it's so amazing. It really is. And I want to encourage you to be part of that journey. Well, this morning what I'm speaking on is called Blindness Exposed. It sounds like a mystery of some sort, doesn't it? In some ways, the kingdom of God is a mystery. It's there for us to uncover, to reveal the hidden truths deep within. But it doesn't come by just sitting back and just waiting for something to happen. God is wanting our hearts to tune into Him, to actually really focus on Him and to be drawn into His Spirit. It's just such an amazing journey when you allow that to happen. But first, He has to open our eyes to see. In Mark four eleven, it says, And Jesus said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Did you realize that you have been given, you have been given the ability to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God? Turn to the person next to you and say, did you know that? Now that's not just a few of you, that's everybody here, every single person. Now that opens up a new big thing, doesn't it? Every single person. There's so much more God wants to reveal to you and to reveal his heart to you. But it doesn't come by trying to do it in the flesh. You can't access God in the flesh. You have to access your spirit man to be able to do it. So how does God show these mysteries to us? Well, by opening our eyes to see. Now I'm not talking about physical blindness. I'm talking about spiritual blindness. You see, I don't know whether you're aware, but you know, as you know, we all have five senses. You know, we've got uh, sight, taste, see, smell, taste, all those sort of things. But we actually have them spiritually as well. Spiritual senses, and a lot of us are lying dormant, just waiting for the Spirit to blow on it, waiting for us to activate them. But I just want to pick out one of them, and that's spiritual blindness, or spiritual eyesight, being able to see. 
However, in order to do that, we have to expose the blindness around our lives. Did you realise that you are blind in some cases? We all have a degree of blindness, as I reveal to you. It's when we say, oh, I've got no blindness, that's when we've got a problem. <laughs> and God laid this word on my heart back in the Manifest Conference when we were up in Auckland. I was just praying and God just laid John chapter 9 on my heart. And it was a story about a, a blind man, born blind, it's an incredible story, but as I began to read it, now I've preached on this before, but when I began to read this word, it became alive to me afresh. And that's what I enjoy about the word of God, because you can read it so many different ways, and the Holy Spirit can show you from so many different angles. And that's why the word of God comes alive. And that's what you need, that you can discover as well. But this word suddenly really gripped my spirit. And I believe it's for people here today. I believe here today God has placed you here, called you here this morning to hear this word. So I sense in my spirit you need to position yourself to receive it because God wants to activate you today. See, you may have heard the statement over the last year that the battle over the church is sight. Sight to understand what God is doing in our day, but more importantly, to see who he is. Because out of that comes you discover who you are in God. It's not about doing things for God. It's more about relationship with God. And out of that relationship, everything else comes. Believe you me, I've been doing lots and lots before. But it wasn't until I actually encountered him that things changed. My whole perspective on life changed. But it's all linked to our relationship is more important with him. You know, Satan can't rob you of your salvation. But he can rob you of your inheritance. And sometimes when we sit back just waiting for something to happen, Satan can be just taking it away from us. And we can never enter into that part. And so we feel limited. We feel distant from God. We never feel good enough to be able to proceed forward. Why? Because Satan has been robbing us of the stuff inside that causes us to stand up on the inside. We're going to talk about that today. Blindness can be a funny thing. The problem is we don't always see it. (laughs) We don't always recognise that we're blind. I didn't. God had to open my eyes to be able to see. I mean, Greg has spoken about Paul on that road to Damascus. He was so, so 120% right what he was doing. Because that's what he could see in his eyesight. That's what he knew in his heart. That's all he ever knew. But man, he was so, so wrong. God had to open his eyes to be able to see a whole new world. Boy, what a difference that man made to the earth. And as he, we've also heard about Paul, oh, sorry, about uh, the apostle Peter. The apostle, the great apostle. God had to open his eyes to the Gentiles. So how much more does God have to open our eyes? God wants to. So if we're all honest, we have varying degrees of blindness around our lives. And I'm going to share right throughout this message the blindness that was around my life and how God had to strip back layer after layer. It wasn't just one happening where he just removed it straight away. Boom, I saw everything. Wow. It was more than that. It was a process. And little by little, removing things from around my eyes. 
And so I want this morning to have a look at this story in John chapter 9. And I'm only going to read some of it because it's a very, it's, a, it's almost the whole chapter. But I'm only going to read parts of it and I'm going to paraphrase some of it just to save time. With John chapter 9, incredible story. It says in verse 1, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And so he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated means sent. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Therefore the neighbours, those who previously had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this the one who sat and begged? And some said, That it is he. But others said, No, it's like him. But he said, I am he. And therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, well, where is he? And he said, I do not know. And so what happens there is they drag him in front of the Pharisees, the religious order of the day, and they, he, they just interrogate him. Pretty vicious they were too. And then they still didn't believe what was going on. And so they brought his parents in who were also feeling very intimidated about the whole thing. They couldn't even back him up, apart from that he was the son, and yes, he was born blind. And then suddenly, uh, this guy gets bolder and bolder in his spirit. And finally, the Pharisees have had enough and they chuck him out of the temple. And verse 35, Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when, they, when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him and it is he who is talking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What an incredible story. Others couldn't see around him, but this man had an experience encounter that so changed his life. The amazing thing is that we don't know much about this guy at all. We don't even know his name. Yet he was important to God. The thing is, all we know about him, that he was of age, and that's all we know. But we do know this, that he was considered cursed. We know that he was a, a, a blight on the, uh, on the radar, I suppose, if you like. He was a nuisance. He was there to beg in order to survive. It wasn't much of a life, really, was it? Yet who was he? He was a child of God, sitting there, a child of God, Always, but remaining outside because of his blindness. He couldn't enter in where everyone else went because of the blindness around his life. And so he lined the streets on a daily basis with all the other beggars vying for a position that could mean the difference between life and death. I could say quite a bit more about that bit, but I'm, I'm not going to. <laughs> but the thing is, he was vying for a position in order to survive. Sadly, it's an example of the church today. 
bustling for position, bustling for looking for this and looking for that, but always remaining outside of what God really intended for us to enter into. Always being at a distance from birth. Because of a spiritual blindness, because of spiritual blindness, we can't see or understand who God really is, which in turn distorts who we see ourselves. So let's go deeper and let's have another look at the story. In verse 1, it said, Now Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind. The first thing I want to bring out is this, that Jesus passed by. Jesus was always constantly on the move. He wasn't trying to build a monument, say, to John the Baptist, which was a past move. He could have sat there. He could have built something around John the Baptist's teaching. But he didn't because Jesus was issuing in the new thing that was God was doing for his day. Yet in some ways it wasn't new. It was there in the Scriptures waiting to be revealed. And yet in our day, we're sitting back looking at the past and saying, let's worship that thing, let's build something around it. And yet God is issuing something new and fresh for us today. But we have to uncover it because it's there in the Word. He's issuing something new. You see, John the Baptist was part of the kingdom jigsaw puzzle. It was important. We're not, dis- we're not trying to dishonor that. That was part of what he was doing in his day, which was great. That was a stepping stone to the next step, which was Jesus coming on the earth. But that even then didn't stop there, because then the Holy Spirit came, and then the birth of the church, and so forth and so forth. And God is building and establishing so much more. The truth is that what happens often is that we build around one little bit of truth and that's it. And we hold on to it. And we hold on to it. And we fail to see what is beyond that. And God is so much more. But when we hold tightly onto one thing, everything goes rigid and stale. And finally our eyesight gets blurred and distorted. We get entrenched in our own things. So this morning God wants to help break us out of the things that hold us back or limit us. And he does that by opening our eyes. So what did Jesus see? What did Jesus see? A blind man? Yeah, exactly what I thought. And when I read that passage, the Holy Spirit said, no, whoa, 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 hold. I want you to read it again. And I thought, what? And I read it again. And it said that he saw a man born blind. Suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he didn't see a blind man, he saw a man born blind. I thought, oh. You see, often God, I mean not often, God looks at the person, not at the defect. But we look at the defect and then we see the person. So our eyesight automatically is a problem. So often we see the defects, but God looks at the internal, we look at the external. However, I want to take it from another perspective, the perspective of the blind man. You see, certainly we can look at others and judge them by what we see, but also we can look through our eyes and see the defects in us. And that's where I want to go to this morning. We tend to focus on our wrong things our own defects, and it stops us from moving out in God. And I want to ask you this question this morning. When you look at yourself, 
What do you see? Do you see all the mistakes and things like that you've done? Do you see all the limitations and things around your life? Well, I wonder if you see what God sees when he looks at you. Because God looks at you differently to how often we look at ourselves. I wonder what you see. We tend to focus on our weaknesses and our failures and our limitations before we see who God made us to be. Our imperfections, no matter what they are, cause us to feed this bigger mentality within that always leaves us outside, unable to enter. And sometimes in our hearts, we, we just see the defects and we think, oh, I can't do anything for God. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. These are those spiritual people up there, but I'm never, I, I, I can't do that. How do I know that? Because that's exactly how I used to look at my life. I used to think, oh, them, them and us, we're back here and they're up there. But God is changing all that because God is not just building a small team of people, but he's actually activating the whole body of Christ to see differently every single one of us. And God sees you differently to how you often look at yourselves. He sees us as sons and daughters of the living God. Royalty, not beggars. Things change when you have a revelation of who he is and a revelation of his love and acceptance toward you. It changes your life. I mean, there's different levels, I said, there's different levels of blindness, right? Before I became a Christian, I could not see that I needed a saviour. I knew God was there and I knew that he existed. I never doubted that. And I heard the gospel preached a number of different times, but I went to church. What was wrong with that? I'd done enough good deeds. I'd lived a good life. I thought I was fine. But the fact is, God had to uncover the blindness around my eyes to see that I needed a saviour and that I was a sinner that needed saving. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. I was perishing and I didn't even know it. But then I got saved. I had an incredible encounter with God and his love and acceptance. I remember my eyes being opened and I remember I couldn't stop talking about what God had done in my life. Now that was unusual for me because I was so embarrassed about talking about God. I wouldn't have said boo to anybody. But because God had radically changed me and I encountered him, I wanted to share. But even then, my eyesight was still limited. Are you saying that Christians can become blind? You bet you. We can become blind or our sight is limited and needs to be uncovered. It's like a baby. Sight grows as we get older and so does perspective. I just, uh, Sandra took some photos um, yesterday in the blowing wind. It was freezing cold. <laughs> but uh, I'll just get uh, Mike to run that. Sometimes we see things are blurred to begin with. Sorry, he's having a few trouble. That's all right. We can come back to it. Two, two. <laughs> it's true. As a baby, you only see a little certain amount. But as you grow older, everything changes. Sight perspective changes. 
And even as you grow older, depending on the circumstances you go through, sometimes our sight can be blurred or distorted. But when we allow God to actually interact within us, things change and our sight can be restored. For though, even though I had an incredible experience of God's love and acceptance that day, years later I became blind to who I was in Christ. I allowed certain things to come around me. You know, I got saved, I was happy, uh, things were going well. And I'd go to church and that. But there was always them and us. I was never really quite that good. Oh yes, he's got it ready now. So as you can see, everything can be blurred. But then, you see, it's like you have your eyes peeled open and you can see certain things in front of you. But even then, the things behind you are blurred. The next one. Then, as you grow older, you see things behind you becoming clearer. And then again. And then suddenly you've got more perspective as you begin to see out. But even then, the, black, the, the distance in the background is blurred. And then finally, things become more focused. So as you grow older, or not just older, but as you grow in your walk with God, things begin to become clearer as you step out. Sometimes God will not reveal everything to you because you probably won't be able to handle it. But he reveal the steps in front of you as you go forward. I want to thank Sandra for those photos. She was freezing in the wind as the wind was blowing her in Porua Harbour. <laughs> it was very unpleasant. <laughs> As I was doing the manly thing, sitting in the van. <laughs> now this man was blind, was he not? Yeah, well we know that. So how does blindness affect us? How does blindness uh, stop us from walking? How does it compare with being lame or, mainly, or maybe deaf? Well, blindness hinders you in so many ways. Because you can't see where you're going, your sight is distorted. And therefore it affects your mobility. And virtually brings you almost to a standstill. It brings a lot of doubt and fear into your life. Do I go this way? Or maybe this way? Or um, maybe I'm safer staying here? Or um, You know, it brings a lot of ups and downs. And you, you become you know, up and down all over the place, spiritually. Double-mindedness. A lot of Christians have a lot of problems with double-mindedness. Because suddenly a lot of their flesh takes over and they can only see in the natural eyes. They can't see in the spirit. So they try and rationalise out what's going on and they can't do it. And therefore they oscillate. And suddenly then they have to allow their emotions to take over and things go from there. But this man was blind. I remember just we were down in Christchurch just recently when it snowed for the first time down there. Now, I haven't really encountered much snow before, so it was a great experience. But I'd never driven in snow and it was coming down really, really thickly. It's not like rain lashing on the windscreen. I bet this was just coming straight down to the thing. We could barely see that far in front of us. Literally. We couldn't even see the road. It was covered in snow. We had to try and look for the markers on the side of the road to actually see our path. We had to slow right, right down. We were only travelling a small distance and yet it took seemed to take forever. And that's what it's like when you can't see clearly. You're trying to feel your way around, but you're never quite certain or sure. And you doubt, maybe I should have taken that corner back there, not this road. 
But when God begins to open your eyes, clarity of sight comes. So how did it affect him? Well, the blind man would have compensated probably trying to hear. Hearing had to be his guide instead. I wonder what he heard. I wonder what he heard as he sat there. Oh, there's that man again. Don't go near him. He's really cursed. Oh, I wonder if it was his mother or this. You're hopeless. You'll never do any good. You'll only, you'll only embarrass yourself. Don't step out. Don't get too emotional. All these things, I wonder. You see, if you can't see, you'll hear a lot of different things. I wonder what you're listening to. See, he would have grown up under a constant barrage of accusation, not knowing how to tune into God. And the stigma would have affected his behaviour and outlook on life. Now, here's the important point. As I said, I wonder what you're tuning into when you're struggling to step out. I wonder what voices condemn you. I wonder what voices try and hold you back. Where did that come from? It didn't come from him. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't listen to the voices that scream loudest at you. Listen to the quiet, small voice of the Holy Spirit that will build you up. So how did it affect him? Well, when Jesus passed by, we don't hear anything of him crying out, Jesus, Jesus, touch me, heal me. Not like some other blind men. Or that lady that, that pressed through the crowd, just to, if I could just touch his cloak. He just sat there. See, the truth is that when he heard Jesus pass by, he probably begged because that's all he had ever known. And he couldn't break out of that cycle because it was an ingrown mindset. You see, a lot of people are so conditioned to feeling like they are a beggar, they have to beg God for something. They have to beg God. Maybe God would maybe bless me. Maybe I've been good enough this week that God might just smile upon me. And yet Jesus is there, passing by you. And you're trying to beg. How do I know? Because that's exactly what I used to do. God, if you could only please bless me. I was like a beggar in the inside. And I didn't even see it. I didn't know. But wait, there's more. There is more? Yes. You see, because of his blindness, this man would have been reliant on others, bringing him to a certain place so that he could beg. See, there's been a mentality within the church over the last couple of decades that we have to be reliant on others to feed us. We have to be reliant on the musicians to bring us to worship. We have to be reliant on others to, to pray for us. We have to be reliant on others... To, to come and to help us out whenever we need help, whenever we cry out, whenever we do anything, we want this, we want that, we want this. We've become so reliant on them breaking through for us that we've lost the know-how to be actually able to cry out for ourselves and engage with God that changes us. And that's exactly what God wants to do in us. Every single one of us has the ability to pray and to develop spiritual muscles and to cry out. Every single one of us. 
has the ability to feed out of the Word for ourselves. Everything. But what happens is that it creates a vicious cycle where we are carried to certain places in order to be positioned to beg. When we're carried by other people, all we're being carried to is to a place where we just beg. Well, that was quite a, a difficult one. <laughs> when I realised that, we never get beyond the cycle. This man was carried to the same place daily. He couldn't proceed beyond this point because of his blindness. And he was left outside the temple when others went in. And he couldn't. I wonder if you feel like that today. Where you always feel distant from God. It was like Groundhog Day. Spiritual Groundhog Day. Going to the same thing over and over and over again, but never breaking out of this. I wonder if you've been there. I know I have. I felt so frustrated. I felt so frustrated. Because it was in me, I thought there has to be more. There has to be more than just doing the same old thing over and over and over again. It got boring. It was dead. And yet I had an experience with Christ. So why was I like this? And so that I got frustrated. You know, frustration can be of God. Because if God can often be leading you into something else, He's got to make you frustrated to get you out of your being comfortable where you are, because I was comfortable. And I could have stayed there, but I was dying on the inside. And that is why the church needs the apostolic anointing, which is so important for the church today. They have the fivefold ministry operating effectively throughout the body of Christ. You see, pastors and teachers can only take you so far. But it takes an apostolic and prophetic anointing to break through barriers and limitations that keep us weakened and inactive. That is the anointing that they carry. That's why we need them in the church. And that's why the church tries to kill them, trying to get rid of them. But God is actually bringing them back into the church because they bring a heavenly perspective. They also bring about clarity of sight. They break up old crusty ground in order for us to proceed forward. They lay foundations. But they also activate the body into a new place of knowing him, which in turn activates everything else. But one of the most important things that they do is they begin to reveal the Father's heart toward you. That's why we need them in the church today. And that's what God is activating his body so that the whole body begins to see differently. So what, I'm, so what I mean by being carried, as I said before, it could be, is it that you're reliant on the musicians to bring you into worship? What happens if there was a power cut? Does that mean we can't worship? Or do I need three songs to be able to get my spirit stirred up? No, actually, we can be in tune at home, wherever we are, worshipping God. Don't get me wrong, they do a fantastic job. <laughs> they really do. But what about feeding ourselves out of the Word? Have you ever tried picking this Word up and starting reading it and saying, God, I don't know quite where to, how to do this, but I want your Holy Spirit to show me. And just reading a small little portion of it, just a little bit, and asking God, show me, open my eyes. Guess what? He will. 
And suddenly that revelation becomes like a gold nugget in here. Your eyes have been opened to something that you've never seen before. It's far greater than what I can even give you right now because it's relevant to you. Or learning to pray for yourself, learning to activate your spirit man and suddenly you're praying and suddenly you're feeling, wow, I'm developing a few spiritual muscles. I'm glad I'm hiding them this morning so that I don't... <laughs> Somehow it went from here into here. I got a hold of them. <laughs> but there are three things that really struggled me because I felt weak and empowered, disempowered. And you see, I watched as a lot of good men and women of God burn themselves out. They ran around doing this and doing that after this person doing this and they were great people but they were absolutely worn out and lost, a lot of them left the ministry because the body was sitting there. You see, we've over the last three or four generations have developed a church culture where a few people do the work and the rest spectate and have a look. Now that's not your people's fault at all. It's the way that we designed the church when man's taken over. God never designed it that way. He designed it so that the whole body of Christ is alive in God and working and working with Him in partnership. That actually means dismantling the ways that we've done it before so that we can enter into what He's doing. Boy, it's exciting when you do. Three things that helped me overcome that barrier. Number one was this. I hungered for more of God. That's the beginning point. I had nothing really to give God at all. But I said, God, I want more. I don't have much to give you, but Lord, here I am. And hunger in you. If you don't have it, ask God for it. Because that's the beginning point. And we can push you and push you to try and get a relationship with God, but it'll never do anything. But it's when you turn your heart and say, God, actually I want more of you. I want more of you. The second thing, I position myself with those going forward. Because we can so easily hand, stay back with those that are going nowhere and just sit there with them. But I wanted more. But look at those guys. They're going forward in God. They're getting really excited about God. What is it about them? I wanted them. So I hung around those people. Guess what? You catch what's on them. And then thirdly, I allowed people to speak into my life. Because if you can't allow people to speak into your life, you become very independent and you become blinded by that as well. And I remember this prophet guy got around my life. He saw things in me that I had never seen before. I thought, wow. And he encouraged me and he fed and he put a lot into my life over, over the years. And I'm really grateful for that. And it lifted me to a new level. And as I came into that new level of sight, I started ministry work. But guess what? Now I was running around after everybody and doing this program and that program and it was so amazing but boy it was hard work. (laughs) I was doing everything I could. How could we fill the church? What about numbers, numbers, numbers? Programs, programs. Everything was going on around. You know the deal. (laughs) Because even then my eyesight was limited. I was just doing what everybody else was doing. I didn't realise at the time, but even my sight was limited. Filled with a mixture of fleshy desires and the spirit-filled dreams, 
How many, in the, how many of you knows that eventually those two things clash? There's a big, big difference when you do what God wants and what your program wants. There's a big, big difference. That's why God is radically trying to take, well, not trying, he is taking back his church. He's fed up with the programs that we, man has created. He wants hearts. Hearts of life. And Jesus stated something really mind-blowing when he saw this man. Everybody's saying, you know, even the disciples had that mentality. They just saw what the world saw. Oh, he's a sinner. You know, this man or that man. But Jesus looks at him and look what he said. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed to him. Maybe it was through him. How about around him? No, it said that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, this is something different. In other words, God was focusing on the inward transformation of hearts. You see, when I always read that passage, I always thought, oh yeah, by him being able to see physically, man, that was the work that God was going to do. But God didn't say that. He said that he would be glorified by the works of God in him. It's quite different. It was more than just the covering of sight. It was what God was doing in his heart. And that was even deeper. God is focused on the inward transformation of a heart. We focus on what God will do through a person, which is the outward. But God focuses on that which is unseen in the very depths of our heart. You see, we want the quick fix. Yes, God, we want to be changed. Yes, you know, instantly, bing, you know. But listen to this. God's not in a hurry when it comes to forming you into the image of a son. You know why? Because you're too valuable for him to do a cheap job on. He's building you for eternity, not for a one day and gone tomorrow wonder. Man, when I came into that I thought, God. Because I would prefer the quicker version if you could. (laughs) But God is taking me through a process. He's unveiling bits and pieces as I go. Have I got sight for everything? No, I haven't. I'm learning as I go. And God wants you to start that same journey. Maybe you haven't, maybe you are, maybe you're not sure, but it doesn't matter where you are, God wants to help you on that journey to see. Now, I just want you to stop just for a moment. Catch your breath. Pause. I want you to catch this in your spirit right now. You see, all his life, this man was mocked and judged and made fun of. He hears people approaching. Suddenly they're talking, the same noise that normally comes. He's no good, this or this, you're hopeless and so forth. But then he hears a small, still voice saying, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I wonder what that did in here. For the first time he received affirmation that he'd probably never received in his life. And even though he was still acting in a begging way, there was something stirring in his spirit, man. 
He'd never felt that before. He didn't know anything about the spirit man or anything like that, but surely there was something rising in here. And God showed me as I spoke this message, speaking this message, that there is a stirring in some of your hearts today. That you've always felt on the outward side, but you've never known how to break through. And yet God is stirring something in here right now. I know it in my spirit man. God is beginning to stir your heart. I wonder what voices you're listening to around your life. And often the ones that speak the loudest aren't always the ones that we should be listening to. Yet listen to this. Did Jesus condemn the man? Neither is Jesus condemning you. So today, why do we listen to the voices of discouragement from within? Why do we allow Satan to hold us to ransom? We are a child of God. No matter where you are in your walk with God, you have the ability to be an incredible, mighty person for God. That's how God sees you. Jesus had seen something in him that no one had ever seen before. And when he looks at you, he sees the same. And he wants to, he wants to open your eyes so that you can see it too. Isn't that incredible? So just very quickly, I'm just going to finish in a few minutes, but Jesus, what did he do? He, he sat on the ground, he made clay, and he put it on the eyes of the man. And of course he went and got him to wash in the pool. And the man came back seeing. But I wonder what the very first thing he saw. Have you ever thought about that? I was just meditating on it. What's the very first thing he saw? I mean, he'd never seen his parents. He'd never seen the sky. He'd never seen the great temple that was there. He'd never seen any of those things. What do you think was the first thing? <coughs> yes. You see, as he's washing in the pool, washing his face, suddenly for the first time in the water, he sees a reflection of who he is. I wonder who you see yourself as. Man, when I, when I was just praying and talking about that, that just blew my mind away. I wonder how we see ourselves. It makes an amazing thing because when he's working on you, you begin to see the reflection of who he is in you. You become his reflection. I'm going to end this little bit here. You know, as he got his sight, suddenly something happened. Everything went crazy. Suddenly, people didn't believe him. No, that's not the man. It can't be him. You see, when you're sight, suddenly when you have a revelation of sight, it will be tested. It will be tested. When you suddenly have a word or something like this, hey, you know, I, I did. They may look at you rather funny. But don't worry because it's God forming something in the sight of you. He's forming his character. You see, others didn't believe it was the same guy. He had to tell them, yes, yeah, it's me. And then he's dragged in front of the, the Pharisees who also don't believe that it's him. And they try and squash his little experience down into their bite-sized little piece so they can handle it. They try to kill it. What's the religious spirits around you trying to do? Kill your, the joy of your experience. And then his parents couldn't even back him up. Sometimes your own family won't even know or understand what you're going through. But God was forming revelation, doing something amazing in his heart, defining who he was. You know, out of all that, 
out of all those buffering and things like that going around his life, who did he have a revelation of? He had a revelation of who Jesus was. I mean, he said, first of all, his revelation goes from Jesus the man, or Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a man of God. And then he says, you are the Christ. And he worshipped him. And that's the whole point of God opening your eyes, is for you to come into a revelation of who he is. And that's what happened in my life. You know, I'd been doing, running around doing this and that and like that. It was about five to seven years ago that I came into a new place, a new fresh revelation of who Jesus was. Suddenly things changed. Suddenly my eyes began to open. But there's more to this than just doing programs. It's a relationship with him. Suddenly the word changed. Suddenly a kingdom perspective suddenly came in. Boy, something happened around my life and I want that for you I want that that's for everyone here not just me if God can take a nobody and start to work in his, in his life God can take you it's not about a, just a team it's about everybody here that God has and I want to encourage you this morning God has something very special for you but he had to open, expose my blindness in order for me to see. And I pray for that today. Let's stand. I just want us to lift our hands today. You know, lifting our hands can be difficult for some. And that's okay. But God wants you to have the courage to lift your hands. No one else is looking. Just lift your hands this morning. You know, the whole, the, the amazing thing is God, when you just open up yourself, God's not looking for one day wonders. He's not looking at what talents you've got or this or that. But simply a heart that says, God, I want you. That's what he's looking for. Father, we thank you for every single person here today. We thank you that you want to open our eyes to see you. And as we see you, Lord, and encounter you, Father, our whole perspective on life changes. And Father, I encourage and I build up people today, those with a begging mentality, those that have struggled in the same old way, going over the same old ground. Father, I pray for a breakthrough for them that there will be a hunger within them to say, God, I want more of you. I want to break out of this cycle. I want you. And Father, we pray this morning for a revelation of who you are. Not just for some, but for every single person here. Oh Lord God, break up the hard ground around people's hearts today. Speak into their hearts and lives. Lord, reveal how much you love them. You look at them and you don't see that. You see who they are in Christ. An incredible person. Lord, fill them with your spirit afresh this day. Open up their hearts. Holy Spirit, breathe afresh 